Coach Mike Candrea, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us from beautiful Tucson, Arizona, uh, the University of Arizona head softball coach with, I believe, eight national championships, uh, one gold medal, one silver medal, and, and many more medals to come, but probably most importantly, a gold medal guy. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time out of your, your busyness to join us. Well, thanks, Renee. It's good to, good, good to be back and um, visit with you. It's been a while. So, you know, our theme today is confidence, but I wanted to go back to a story uh, that you shared with me a couple of years ago that I haven't forgotten. And it's, and it's one about hard love and mental toughness and, and a message that your dad uh, shared with you, I believe, uh, maybe just after high school, you were in transition to college, perhaps. Uh, maybe you can share that with us. Oh, well, I think you're talking about when I left for college and, and, um, you know, I, my dad handed me a $20 bill and said, good luck, son. And I looked at him like he was crazy and that I deserved more than 20 bucks. And I thought it was just for the uh, day or the week, but it actually, that was it. I mean, he was telling me yeah. that from here on out, Mike, you're going to have to earn your way. And so, yes, it was definitely a lesson that at the time did not really realize it was a lesson, but. I'm um, a very wise man um, that kind of set me on my feet and said, you know what, um, if you're going to do something in this world, you're going to have to, you're going to take care of yourself and you're going to have to have the discipline to do the right things. Now you've been coaching at U of A for close to 35 years. How have you applied that, you know, that lesson that you learned from your dad around um, taking responsibility uh, for your own development and for your performance and how you get better? How do you apply that with your players? Well, I think the the, the one thing that I always go back to is, um, you know, kind of what, what I feel are the important things when dealing with young people. And I think the first thing that I've always tried to be is someone that was very competent at what I do. So I, I, I'm a learner. I, you'll always learn each and every day, and I, I enjoy doing that. Um, I wanted to always be a student of the game, and that's really why I – I'm doing what I'm doing. I, you know, I was a good athlete, not a great athlete, but um, I was always a student of the game and wanted to learn as much as I could. So I was a sponge. Um, as I got into junior college um, coaching baseball there, uh, I was very fortunate to be around some very good coaches. And, and luckily, I had my ears open all the time and became a sponge. And I thought that was really impactful for my career. Um, the other thing is I think I wanted to be um, consistent. You know, I, I, I wanted to make sure that each and every day that um, I had a vision, but, but you know, it, it's a very process-oriented um, sport that we're in. And so it's, you got to be there for the longevity. It's, it's, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. So to me, that was important that, that I could develop a consistent approach each and every day, uh, not just physically, but mentally, mentally and emotionally with, with young kids. And then I, I realized that, you know what, it doesn't matter how much you teach these kids, they, they need to know that you care about them. And so um, the personal development for me has become more and more important, and especially in today's world. Um, I think, um, you know, you got to look at kids that have high character, and if they don't have high character, then you've got to help them understand why it's so important to have that high character. And it, you know, I think those are three things that I kind of think about all the time. So I, I love how you just jumped right in with, I know you've got this uh, framework, the three C's of yeah. successful coaching. So can you, 
Can you package them um, up or just do a, a, a quick recap on them and, and why, how you sort of develop this philosophy that obviously has worked for you? Yeah, you know, and I really don't know when and where I developed it, but um, I know someone asked me one day, Mike, what's your philosophy? And I, I said, well, you know, it's, um, I have three words that I go by every day and it's, it's not because of my last name, but it's um, <laughs> three things that, that I think are pretty important to me. And, and the first thing is, um, is making sure that I'm competent at what I do. I, I, I always wanted to make sure that I was at the top of my game. And if I'm at the top of my game, then my kids are getting good information and I'll help them get to the top of their game. Um, I've always wanted to be a consistent person. I, I never did like moody people. And growing up, growing up around some of my mentors, um, the one um, commonality that I saw in all of them was that they were very stable. And so to me, that's something I wanted to do. And then the other thing is I'm, you know, I've always been a very caring person, but um, to me, I really realized in coaching it, it doesn't matter how much you can teach a kid because 10 years from now, they're going to remember one thing and that's whether you cared about them as an individual. So, yeah, as a leader who has, you've worked with male athletes as well mm -hmm. as female athletes, correct? How, how important is it, to uh, have the ability to empower your people. Uh, and what does confidence mean to you? How do you define confidence? And how do you go about nurturing and building that confidence each day and then helping the leaders on your team, you know, be able to execute that on a peer-to-peer -peer basis? Well, you know, that's a, a, a huge question that um, I think has really evolved over the years, you know, at, at the beginning of my career, um, you know, in the seventies, um, kids back then, if you told them to jump 10 feet, they would jump 10 feet, not ask a question. And most of the time they're going to try to jump 11, you know, and, and, you know, our culture has changed a little bit. Um, back then I always felt like we had leaders, you know, and the leaders were kind of born, they were built, they were, you know, that that was kind of part of their thing. And then I got to the last 10 years or so, and I find myself trying to not only develop leaders, but to develop followers, you know, because one thing I realized is you can have leaders, but if you don't have people that will follow them, then it becomes very, very difficult situation. And so we've spent a lot of time on, on, on teaching leadership and understanding how important it is for us to have people that are going to set the vision and um, and do the right things each and every day to, um, to, to get us to where we wanna go. But also, we've spent a lot of time on trying to find good followers, people that are willing to um, take that vision and make sure that they hold their teammates accountable each and every day because that's the one thing I saw, you know, not many kids wanna step up 24 seven to be a leader. Um, you know, we have never had captains in my program because I never felt we needed a captain. Um, but but it, it's a, a little different generation. And um, so we're doing a lot more stuff right now to to not only teach leadership, but to teach fellowship, you know, to, to make sure that kids understand the importance of that. So in a nutshell, what's the difference between being a leader and being a follower? Well, I think, um, you know, the way I look at it, leaders, um, Leaders have to be able to uh, set a vision, 
But one of the most important things about leaders is that um, everything that they do, they do for the good of the team. You know, and that's a very fine line there is being able to be very, very firm. Um, but you also have to, you can't lead unless you care, you know. And so you have to make sure that you're doing what's best for your team. Where a follower, I think, on the other hand, a follower is, is someone that understands the vision but is very active in holding everyone accountable to those standards. So they're the ones that are going to raise the standards. And, you know, and I found that you can have leaders, but the one thing you have to have is you have to have sub-leaders. You have to have those secondary leaders. And I think that's why I've always marveled about the military. I think the military does a wonderful job of, of making people understand that you, if you're not going to be a leader, then you better be a good follower, you know? And, and to me, our sport is very important. You know, it's an individual sport. That's, really a team sport made played by a bunch of individuals. And so there's a lot of dynamics that you have to go through to, to, um, to get people to sell in, um, to, to get people to buy into what you're trying to do, but more importantly, to get young kids to not be scared to hold a teammate accountable, because that's the one thing that I saw, you know, the last uh, seven, eight, nine years is that they were scared to do that. You know, they, they just, They'd rather get on their phone, look at their phone, and not worry about the person-to-person interaction that you have to have. So we have leaders, we have followers. Do we have a third category? Um, I hope not. You know, because <laughs> if, if 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 you're not a leader, you better be a follower. I mean, in 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 the way I see things, um, it's a good question. You know, do, do we have a third category? And and Sometimes you have um, kids that don't want to be a leader, don't want to be a follower. And, and, and that becomes, you know, an issue of how do you handle that? You know, Coach, and- yeah. Coach, you've talked about how performance drives confidence. Can you define uh, confidence for us and then share your approach to, to how you build confidence on a day-to-day basis? Well, I've always said that, um, you know, confidence isn't something that you can sprinkle over a kid and, and all of a sudden they become confident. But the, the better their performance becomes, to me, the more confident they become as a player and as a person. So you can't have confidence without performance. So I think no matter how you look at our sport, the better their skills become, the more confident they become. And so um, we are very process oriented. Um, I kind of go about it that way is that, you know, we are, we are, our foundation is our physical skill set, but on top of that foundation are many other things that go into the package. And the better that I can develop the total package, the more confident of a player that I have. And our games kind of screws with that all the time because our game's a game of failure. You know, so the, the one thing that I've always asked our kids to do is three things. Number one, make sure that you prepare. I think preparation is a big part of, of confidence. The more prepared I am, the more confident I am. The other thing is, is being able to get out of your head and just play the game. So having a good approach to the game where you're not scared to make mistakes, you're not worried about making mistakes. 
And then I think the third thing is, is how you respond. Because no matter what, in every situation that you're going to be in, there's going to be a response, whether it's positive or negative. But our sport, for instance, the best hitters get hit three out of 10 times. So 70% of the time, your response is going to be challenged. Whether you can stay positive, you know, and, and um, stay engaged, um, or you get very negative and kind of pull yourself away, and that doesn't help you either. So I think the acronym that we always used, and I got this from, I think, Zen Golf, because I was, I remember going to Washington one year, and I was in the airport looking at books, and this book kind of popped off the shelf, and shelf, and it was Zen Golf, and, I, and I'm a avid golfer, but uh, the one thing I got out of the book was this acronym PAR, you know, preparation, approach, and response. And so that's a really nice way of keeping things simple. And I had put in the dugout the day of that game, those three letters and what they meant. And we kind of rode that all the way to the College World Series and won a national championship. So that became one of my favorite acronyms um, when we're talking about confidence, because you know, confidence is a tough thing, and, and it's, um, you know, I used to look at the Olympic team, and I used to wonder, you know, why, why are these 15 kids so special? And the one thing that I did see in them was that emotional stability. They never got too high, never got too low. And, and so I think that's another um, part of that confident package that you have to have is the emotional stability also. But how did, in your best estimation, how did those players develop that emotional stability? How did they earn that level of mental toughness? Because it didn't just happen. Um, no, it didn't happen. Well, I think obviously was there um, um, the database that they developed over the years. You know, I mean, that's a whole other topic of discussion. But, you know, why do some kids um, react uh, the right way all the time and and some are are slow at reacting and I've always said that the more you play the game it's like a deck of cards the more you play the game the broader your database becomes but the key to our game is that being able you have to get the right card to the top when you need it so it's not only having a big database but being able to know what you need at that time and so I think um, part of this confidence thing and um, part of our game is developing a database that that allows you to play the game free from thinking because it's it, it it's almost like you're on automatic pilot you know and um, I, I think the more you play the game the more successes you go through maybe the more failures you, you go through the better you become at uh, understanding um, what that game is going to bring you and what your expectations are going to be you know, it's, it's awfully tough to go out there every day and, and think that you're, you're going to be at the very top of your game. But, you know, what are the things that you can control every day, the little pieces to help you maybe, you know, 1% here today. And if you did that a little bit every day, then guess where you're going to be three months from now. But it's hard to get kids to understand that and get them to commit to that. And what are some of the, the unique things that you've done to challenge those highest potential athletes that you've had under your charge? I know there are some stories yeah. uh, from your time coaching the Olympics, just in terms of creating adversity, being yeah. active around creating challenges. 
Yeah, well, I, the one thing I learned, um, Renee, that, that was really profound, I think, when, when I was working with the national team, there, there was a, a moment in our training because, you know, training for the Olympic is unlike anything else. You train for four years for one, one moment, you know, one week and a half of competition. So there's a lot more training involved than there are actually competitions. And I just remember going through a spurt where um, I, I felt like they were, they were flat. Um, they, they weren't, um, we were just kind of going through the motions of practice. And, and the one thing I realized is I had no one to blame but myself because the problem was is they weren't being challenged enough. And so one thing I do know is when you have um, a low skill and a high challenge, kids get frustrated. And the opposite, when you have a high skill and a low challenge, they get bored. And I've always kind of looked at that all the time and tried to balance that when I'm working with teams. And so the Olympic team, you know, the one thing we were looking at is, you know, who's out there that I felt could be kind of similar to the, the you know, we want to be the best in the world, then who in the heck's the best at what they do? And we picked the Navy SEALs and did some training with the SEALs. And we were in San Diego. And I thought that was a, a, a pretty neat uh, opportunity for us to walk in and see these people that were, you know, the best at what they do yet. You know, they started with a class of 125 and only 25 make it. So there's definitely um, a challenge there that why aren't, why, why isn't everyone making it, you know? And so I thought that was a pretty profound um, um, experience for us um, for a lot of reasons. I remember walking into the place and the first sign I saw was the only easy day was yesterday, you know, and I kind of loved that, that saying because that's really what life's all about. You know, it's, you know, we didn't want to live in our past. We wanted to, to do something very special. In order to do that something special, you have to give special effort each and every day. And um, that was a fun moment. And then, you know, here at, at, at Arizona, um, I just had a, a group called The Program come in. And, and they do a really nice job, I think, of, of number one, um, um, maybe bringing a little bit of discipline and and, and teaching kids how to be able to call each other out, you know, in a, in a good way, um, how to raise the bar and the challenge and how to communicate amongst one another. I mean, it, it did some really nice stuff and I really saw some good results because to me, you know, those, those outside experiences are great, but I really have to be able to see it carry over onto the field for me to be excited about it. And I think both the Navy SEALs training and this, the program was, have both had some great carryover uh, onto our field and has made an impact in our team. So you've talked about the importance of stretching outside of our comfort zone. Mm -hmm. why, do you think, why do you think it's so hard for people in general, and not only athletes, sometimes leaders themselves who are playing at a very high level, you know, uh, businesses across industries, uh, sports teams and education, why is it so hard for people to continue to work the outer edge of that potential? Um, it, great question. Um, don't know if I have a great answer for it, but I, I think part of it is just the, 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 the nature of sometimes how we're wired and that's that comfort zone that you have. You know, there's not every person that I've ever met 
that is going to run every sprint as hard as they can. You know, you find those unique people that don't know anything less than a hundred percent. And then you find, you know, the person that's gifted, talented, um, but they're not wired that way. You know, they're, they're, they're going to go 70%. And then when they need a hundred percent, they're going to go hundred percent. That's a great question. You know, um, and, and I think a lot of it is just the total package that you are, you know, whether I think discipline comes into that. I think, um, you know, the vision of who you are and what you want to be. Um, you know, I think it's something that is almost a, um, a habit. It's almost a way of living. You know, there's some people that have a way of living where they are, they're very disciplined and very motivated and, you know, they're, they're, they can kind of, um, center everything on the things that they feel that are important. And a lot of times those things that are important are going to help you reap benefits where other people may center on things that they think that are important, but they're not going to help them get where they want to go. So, um, I, that's what makes us all different. And that's, I mean, that's a great part of what we do is how do you find the switch that's going to help this one kid realize their potential? And I think that's the biggest thing is number one is, is being able to give them a vision of what their potential really is, paint a picture of it so they can see it and they can feel it, you know, and then, and then convincing them that, you know, this is the, this is the right choice you should make. And, you know, I'm, as a father, you know, I have two kids and they're completely different from the same parents. And you wonder why is that happen? Well, I don't know. The good Lord is he challenges us, you know, because they, they are different. Yeah. And uh, one is, you know, they're just, it's amazing. I mean, completely different um, approaches to life, um, how they handle stress, um, their, their drive, you know, all those things. So I think that's a challenge. And that's one of the great things of coaching people is that everyone's different. And um, so you can't really, and that's a good lesson for all of us, is you cannot use a cookie cutter approach when it comes to dealing with young people. You know, some kids need to be able to fall and you need to be there to pick them up gently. Some people need a kick in the butt when they're, when they're falling. You know, some people, you have to slow them down a little bit. You know, I have some overachievers that, God, if you don't watch them, then they're going to they're gonna burn up their engine, you know, in, in two years. Um, because to me, I think life is definitely a marathon. It is, we, lo- we learn each and every day. And sometimes um, the things that we learn from are not the most enjoyable things in life. You know, I know for myself, I used to think my life revolved around winning championships. And, you know, when you're a dad and your son says, hey, dad, you know, I love this national championship stuff, but I need you as a father and I want you to watch me play baseball. You have to go, whoa, wait a minute. You know, what I think I'm doing is right. But on the other hand, is it really the right thing that I'm doing as a father? And, and so, yeah, I mean, I've had some life lessons that have really kind of woke me up a little bit. And, and so I think the whole thing at the end of the day, it, it's, it's understanding balance. It's understanding, you know, balancing, who you are, um, you know, 
balancing who who you who you want to be and where you want to go and how you're going to get there and you know if i can get up every day and i i'm going to live each day like it's my last because <clears throat> i've been around some situations where you know someone perfectly healthy was there one moment gone the next so that's one of my driving forces is just to enjoy what i do but on the other hand i also want to go to bed at night and and look in the mirror and like what i see um, because character to me is very important, you know, and, and then as you get older, you realize that it's really not what you've done. It's, it's how many people you've been able to touch and affect. And so it's, it's, it's kind of a blend of a lot of different things. And so when, when you get an opportunity to do something you love to do, like I have, you know, it's, it's fun each and every day. I always tell the girls, you know, they go, coach, are you having a good day? And I go, well, I'm on the right side of the grass. I'm having a great day, you know. <laughs> but really what I'm saying is that I, 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 love, I love life, you know. And once I realized how important that balance was to me, uh, it's helped me to enjoy it even more. So you reminded me of a, a study that I came across when I was a 23-year-old intern with uh, the USTA Sports Science Department. And this study said that most coaches' perceptions of their own performance and behavior does not match up with the perceptions that their players have of them. And your story about, you know, the job you thought you were doing in terms of being a dad mm -hmm. you know, and the perceptions that your son had at that time just brought that back and just how important it is for us as leaders to be aware to be as self-aware as possible and to be open to the feedback sometimes that arises, you know, unsolicited, but to just be open to mm -hmm. it and to continue to just sort of see where we're at and see where we're doing well and to see what areas, you know, we can improve upon. Um, my next question, and you already answered it, I know people would be very curious to hear what your definition of success is. And I know for you, from you know, our past conversations, that success is balance mm -hmm. for you. And you just sort of laid that out uh, for us, and I appreciate that. When you think of your legacy, Coach, what kind of legacy do you want to leave behind you know, for your family, for your family at work, and for, you know, for the world in general? I mean, what's your legacy going to be? Um. Great question, and I think um, for me, I, I want people to remember me as someone that was balanced. You know, someone that, that was a, a good father, uh, a good husband, um, you know, someone that, um, that faith was very important to, and, and someone that enjoyed the process that, you know, wasn't scared to fail, um, knew how to push people, knew how to push himself, um, and enjoyed each and every day, you know, um, I mean, to me, I think enjoying the opportunity to have an impact on other people in whatever way it may be, you know, whether it's, it's, you know, working with the poor, whether it's working with athletes, um, that's what I hope, you know, people look at because I really don't, you know, I don't want them to say, well, oh, he's a great coach. You know, 
I'd rather them say he's a great person, you know, not a great, not only a great coach, but a great person. And, and to me, every, everyone's definition of success is going to be different. You know, people always ask, what's the definition of success? I'm going, well, it depends on who you are, you know? Um, but at the end of the day, I want to be able to, to say that I've affected a tremendous amount of people over time in a positive way. That's awesome, coach. Um, who pushes you? Who do you look to for inspiration today? Well, I've, I've always been one to push myself. I, I really have never needed anyone to push me. It's just kind of the way I'm, I'm wired. Um, but um, I, that's, a, that's a really good question. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I guess I, I do something I love to do. So, uh, you know, I, I've never looked at it as, a, as work. So I've never looked at it as someone having to push me to do what I do because I'm, I'm doing what I love to do. So you know, if, think, if you come across a challenging problem and you can't figure it out on your own, who do you call first? Well, I've had some great mentors in my life and I think we all do. Um, there's people that I can confide in that will, you know, sometimes you just want to hear someone tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. <laughs> and, and probably my wife is probably pretty good at that. You know, she will give me another set of eyes. But yeah, I have people from different walks of life. Um, you know, I have some doctors that are very good friends that I bounce things off of. I have people in business that I bounce things off of. I have people here in the department, uh, other coaches. Um, so I, I'm, I've always been one that, that always loved to hear feedback. And I think you have to, because when I was younger, I would make decisions based upon, you know, my feeling at the time. And unfortunately, sometimes that feeling was an emotional feeling and really wasn't something that I took time to look at in decipher through and, and make a good decision. And today I'm a little bit slower at making decisions because I, I want to make sure that number one, I don't have a lot more decisions to make in my life. <laughs> I want to make sure they're good ones, but I bound, I have a lot of people that I, I rely on and um, you know, I have some people that are kind of my humorous side and some that are my, my spiritual side, some that are, are people that will just give me really good, wholesome information about what I need. Which is consistent with your approach to success and balance, that balance yep. factor. So we want to be respectful of, of everyone's time. I'd like to wrap up with just a couple of quick questions. Um, what's your least favorite word in the English dictionary? Can't. Why? Just never, never thought that way. You know, I felt like I could always do anything. So I hate when someone says that they can't do something. So what's your response to those people when you, when you do hear that word? <laughs> you haven't worked, you haven't worked at it hard enough yet. You know, don't limit yourself. And I think that's a limiting word that um, I just don't like it. And your most favorite word. Balance. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the balance. Yeah. Back to the balance. Back yeah. to the balance. Yeah. So, it means so much to me. I mean, yeah. Was there an incident? Was there a particular tipping point in your life 
where balance sort of moved up to the top of your life priority list? Well, and if, if so, can you share that just for a couple of minutes before we let you go? Yeah, well, you know, I, um, you, you would hope that people don't go through this, but, you know, I, I, I go back and I look at my life and I've, I've lost a child. I've lost a, uh, a player. I've lost a wife. Um, I've lost parents, you know, and, and those are all major people in your life that have a, a tremendous effect upon you. And so when something like that happens, you're looking for answers, you're looking for why me. And, and I didn't have to look very hard because I've always um, felt like um, my son kind of got me to understand, dad, you're not in balance. Um, but I, I understood balance. I understood the importance of family. I understood the importance of, of doing something that you love to do. Um, but more importantly, I, I've always, and my mom was that person that really gave me the foundation of my faith. And um, to me, I always have somewhere to go um, when I'm looking for an answer. And it's not far from, from that. And that's kind of the way I've lived my life. And that's why I've always felt that that word was so powerful to me. Coach, thank you so much for your time. Yeah. Uh, for people who want to connect with you, uh, where, where can they do that? Well, you know, the, probably the easiest is uh, my email, kandrea at arizona.edu. Um, I pretty much spend all my time uh, around campus here. Um, and, you know, we have a website for people that are looking at maybe softball camps. Um, uh, it's kandrea.com. So two pretty easy things. But, yeah, usually the email would be great. And, Love to hear from people. Um, you know, if you if you write me and want an answer, I can't promise you it's going to happen in 24 hours, but I will definitely answer you sometime. But it's it's always been fun to talk, and and Renee, I wish you the very best, and look forward to seeing that book. Yes, it's coming. It's on its way. It's in the okay. mail as we speak. Right. Thanks so much, Coach. Take care. All right. God bless. All right. Likewise.